Hello, everyone, and welcome to our very first episode of the Gaining Health Podcast, where we are revolutionizing healthcare with obesity medicine. I am your host, Carly Burridge, and I am so excited and honored to have our very first guest with us this week. We are talking to Dr. Angela Fitch, and I honestly could not think of a better person to kick off this podcast with. And let me just tell you a little bit about her in case you're not familiar with her, but if you're in obesity medicine, you're probably very familiar with her. But uh, Dr. Fitch is uh, the Associate Director, Director of the Massachusetts General Hospital Weight Center and faculty at the Harvard Medical School. And she's board certified in obesity medicine, internal medicine, and pediatrics. And she began the practice of obesity at the University of Minnesota, treating children with obesity. And in 2012, she became board certified in obesity medicine and has been treating obesity full-time ever since. And since then, she's moved back to Cincinnati to create a multidisciplinary medical surgical weight center and is currently serving as the president of the Obesity Medicine Association. So welcome so much, Angela. I'm so excited that you're here with us today to kick it off. Thank you, Carly. This is wonderful that you're doing this for everybody. It's great. I'm yeah. honored to be here. Good. I'm, I'm so excited to have you here. Honestly, because you are just, you're not just a wonderful leader in this field. You're a wonderful speaker and you speak with so much compassion and you have just so much knowledge. So you have so much to teach all of us. So let's start with this because a lot of people, when they hear obesity medicine, do you ever get funny looks when you say you're an obesity medicine specialist or when you talk about obesity medicine and people are like, what is that? <laughs> exactly. Or it's not very fun at parties either. You know, when you oh, tell yeah. people you're, they say, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a doctor. What kind of doctor? Oh, I'm an internal medicine, pediatrician. Oh, you do primary care. No, I do obesity medicine now full time. And they're like, oh, I don't <laughs> normally eat this way. <laughs> like yes, the first thing first that comes thing out of their do. mouth. And it's like, you know, cause you had a party, you, you know, it's holidays, whatever you're celebrating, you know, you got a plate of food that you're usually standing there, you know, and a, a drink <laughs> in your hand and you're chatting with somebody, you know? So it is kind of a, a little bit of a, you know, you do have to kind of explain it, I feel like, to people. <laughs> yeah, it can be a little bit awkward at times. So can you explain to those people who are still kind of like, what exactly is obesity medicine and what, what does an obesity medicine specialist do? Could you go into that a little bit? What is this field about and what, what do we do in our day to day? Yeah, so I think... You know, it is a, as you know, a growing field, right? One of the fastest growing specialties, medical specialties that we have uh, because of the number of people that need care, right? We have 115 million people with obesity in our country and because of the prevalence and now that we have even more effective treatments, I think people are, you know, wanting to access actual obesity medicine, right? Which is the care of the person with obesity in terms of helping them to reverse that disease process. So if we believe that obesity, which is defined as the storage of excess body fat that may be affecting your health, right? Mm -hmm. So you're storing excess adiposity, um, potentially inappropriately or potentially, you know, for some dysfunctional reason, right? That's what we believe that the disease part of it is what's dysfunctional. Right. And so because of that disease, you have this excess adiposity that's then leading to things like diabetes, things like um, elevation, your blood pressure, sleep apnea, arthritis, uh, you know, all sorts of, of heart disease, right? All sorts of complications of having that excess adiposity, the excess fat storage. So, so I think that's what, you know, obesity medicine, we focus on how do we reverse that process? How do we treat that process effectively so that, that you can accomplish your goal, which is to 
to lose that that excess weight or that excess fat that you're storing, you know, inappropriately. And that's the the, the clincher, right? right? Is trying to do, make that happen because I tell patients all the time, it's not normal to lose weight, right? Weight loss is not a normal human process. And so to do something abnormal is even harder than trying to do something normal. Most of the time we have abnormalities we're trying to fix, right? Like abnormalities, like abnormalities, in my blood sugar, you know, that I'm fixing, right? I'm, I'm, you know, so I'm trying to become normal to, re, you know, reverse that disease process. But in this case, like losing weight is, is something the body fights against. So as obesity medicine physicians, we're trying to optimize that however we can for that individual person to try to reverse that disease process. Right. Yeah. We're biologically designed to protect ourselves from weight loss, right? Because if we think about for right. millions of years that we've been roaming this earth, the vast majority of that time, starvation was a major threat to our survival, right? And it's interesting. Exactly. I'm watching this show right now. It's called Alone, where these people are out in the wilderness and, and their primary concern is to get as many calories as they can and to conserve as much energy as possible. And that's how we're all biologically have evolved, right? And now we're in this environment where that's really working against us, right? So it's just so challenging. So what do obesity medicine clinicians actually do to help treat obesity? Like what are some of the pillars of care uh, that providers can use to treat, to treat patients with obesity and pre-obesity? Yeah, so as as you're well aware, being a, a, a very integral part of our obesity medicine association for many years, um, I think that you know what we try to talk about are are those pillars, which is a nutrition, you know, physical activity, uh, behavior, or lifestyle change, right? And then um, you know, using a medication, you know, or some sort of a device or some sort of a a tool, um, including surgery, you know, to help patients gain that result, right? Like any disease, it's multifactorial. You know, we don't just treat um, hypertension with only diet and exercise. You know, we treat it with medications as well, especially if it's severe enough that it needs that treatment, right? That 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 those risks of health are such that using a medication is gonna gonna be necessary, right? And so, and same with surgery. I mean, people have open heart surgery for, um, you know, blockages in their heart. It doesn't mean that they don't they that they that they focus only on eating better and exercising in order to get rid of that heart disease. You know, they take medication for it. They might have surgery for it. And they also do this lifestyle approach, stress reduction, um, healthful uh, nutritional behaviors. You know, all those things are things we all have to work on because the environment that we live in today is not is not producing wellness. Right. It's not producing a state of well-being. Um, it's got too much stress, too little sleep, uh, too many uh, calories, too many empty calories or processed calories um, and not enough physical activity. <laughs> So all those things are things, we, all those pillars are things we should be doing regardless, just for the health of it, not necessarily for the weight of it, right? But just to be healthful in, in, our, in our lifestyle. Um, and we have to, but we have to work at that because the, the world we live in is, is opposite of that today. Right, right. And especially for those people who have the, the genetic predisposition to put on more weight. Again, everybody's a little right. bit different, right? There's so many individual circumstances, different genetics, Everybody has their own different journey. So hearing the patient's journey and what could be contributing factors for that individual person, right? Might be weight promoting mm -hmm. medications also, or, you know, things like that. So right. when you're talking to patients, and I love it when you talk about this at conferences, because you have this awesome pyramid slide um, that, that you use when you're helping to talk about 
how you know which treatment option to choose for which patient. So can you go over that a little bit? What does that conversation look like when you're talking to a patient to try to determine you know, which treatment options might be right for that individual person? Yeah, so I think it's very important that we start to use what I call shared decision-making in our discussion with an obesity treatment. Because like any other disease, there should be a shared decision-making process, which is the process of saying, you know, what are you looking for in your treatment? What is your goal? What are you trying to accomplish? And for some people, they're trying to accomplish a certain amount of weight loss because they have to have their BMI under a certain number in order to get knee surgery or, or in order to get hip surgery or to get um, a transplant, like something as significant as that where other people might want to just be preventing a disease, right? They might be wanting to prevent themselves from getting diabetes because their whole family has diabetes and they don't want to get it. So we know that different levels of, of, of treatment, uh, you know, to, to reach those different states, you need a 5% weight loss, for example, and you need to maintain that 5% weight loss in order to um, long-term prevent the risk of diabetes, prevent developing diabetes. But to reverse diabetes, you need more like a 15 to 20% weight loss. So if you have diabetes and you want it to go away, you need to get even more weight loss. And we know according to our, our sort of um, pyramid or pillars, whichever way you wanna, if you wanna flip it on its side or you wanna put it up and down. But the idea is that you move throughout this journey, um, you know, employing these di different treatment interventions, not because you want them, like nobody wants a surgery. That's what I tell patients all the time. Like people come in and say, I don't want surgery. Well, I don't want surgery today either. Like, I mean, but if I have to have surgery because surgery is going to produce the best outcome for me, then that's what I'm going to choose to do because I need that 20% weight loss, 30% weight loss that, that until recently with some of our newer medications, it was very hard to achieve a 20 to 30% weight loss without surgery. And even today, it's going to be hard for, for even 40% of people to do that, even with our, our newest, greatest medications that are coming out. There's still 40% of people that can't get that 20% weight loss with medication alone, which is not uncommon with other diseases. Like I said, you can't just reverse your artery disease in your heart by eating better and exercising and taking a statin. You need to layer on top of that having potentially a procedure done or having a surgery done, you know, in order to to make those things better. So that's all again that 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 complicated interaction and having that discussion though and that realistic expectation that lifestyle intervention on average produces a two to five percent weight loss, which is great. I mean, for everybody to do. But if you want, if you need more than a five percent weight loss or more than a two percent weight loss, you're probably going to need to 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 increase your intensity of treatment, right? And add something else, add another layer on top of that. Um, and that's what we're, and we don't have to, we don't have to wait till we fail this other treatment, right? Cause it's not about people take it very personally that I failed, you know, because I didn't lose 20% of my weight, you know, with diet and exercise alone. When we know that only about 4% of people are able to do that. Only about 4% of people can lose 20% of their weight with, with a intensive lifestyle intervention. And, but the person feels like I failed somehow because I wasn't one of the 4%. I mean, most people, you know, are ecstatic if they're even close to one of the 4%, right? But, but people, we, yeah. we have this misconception because of years and years of people saying, you know, just eat less and exercise more and you'll be fine, right? And so there's this over-focus on, on that one, you know, that one treatment versus employing the whole spectrum or the whole, the whole pillars of, of treatment. 
Yeah, I agree. And I think what you said is so important is people have this expectation because that's what we've heard all along. And those are the stories that we hear. Somebody loses a hundred pounds and, you know, and those types of things with lifestyle changes alone. So that's what people expect is going to happen. So that's where I think it's so important that we really hone in as you do, you know, saying that, yes, some people can achieve the, but it's only 4%, right? So when we're thinking about it from a medical perspective, provider point of view, would you really recommend a treatment that only has a 4% success rate, right? Or would you be looking at other treatment modalities, you know, on, on top of that? Right. And so, you know, really, you know, understanding obesity as a disease, understanding the pathophysiology, and then treating it just like we do other medical conditions where we do intensify treatment as needed and as the severity of the disease gets worse, it's the same thing, but it's just really changing that mindset that obesity is in fact a chronic disease and that lifestyle changes alone are not enough for the vast majority of people. And sometimes I think about it in terms of skin cancer too, right? Like, yes, you know, put on sunscreen to prevent skin cancer. Sunscreen is kind of like the lifestyle changes. Like, yes, it's good to do, everybody should do it, you know, can help prevent skin cancer. But once somebody's developed a melanoma, you're not gonna tell them to just put on more sunscreen. Right, right, right. stay out of the sun. (laughs) Don't go outside. (laughs) Exactly, so uh, that's absolutely right. So I want to switch gears a little bit and ask you specifically for you personally, how did you get introduced to the field of obesity medicine? How did you get involved? Can you tell us what that was like? Because I feel like everybody always has such an interesting story and how they got there. Yeah. So I was very much, um, even you know, as a, a medical student and resident, I was just very interested in metabolic health and metabolic syndrome and weight management and diabetes and all these sorts of, you know, sort of metabolic diseases. They just fascinated me, I think, because um, I'm an engineer by undergraduate training, chemical engineer. I was always into like, you know, how does the body work chemically, right? And how does it keep itself going and and all these sorts of things. So I was very, you know, just um, interested in that. And then, you know, patients coming in, you know, being in a busy primary care practice, I'd have patients all the time, you know, coming into their physical going, I want to lose weight. Like, how do I do that? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. We didn't really talk about that in medical school. <laughs> right. right. So, so I was like, well, you know, you could eat less and exercise more. There's several ways of doing that. And so that's really what I would sort of like, you know, the best I could do. And I thought there's gotta be something better than that. So I really started to um, just, you know, read on my own. And again, this was before the time when we had an official, um, you know, official board certification, but the American Society of Bariatric Physicians, which is now the Obesity Medicine Association, right, was was around. And so I started, I went to a conference, right? I said, oh, I'll go to this conference and I'll learn about, you know, this thing called bariatric medicine at the time, right? Was what we were sort of, you know, calling it or referring it to it. And so I started just, you know, learning on my own and going to these types of conferences. And then I started to just practice it. So we, you mentioned in my bio that I started seeing patients actually I started my obesity career doing pediatric weight management, which was sort of, um, you know, a little bit unheard of at the time. It wasn't quite as uh, prevalent, you know, back in the early 2000s as, you know, as it is uh, today even, right? But we had a very busy pediatric weight center at the University of Minnesota. And one of my colleagues knew the person who who ran it, Sarah Jane Schwarzenberg. She was a gastroenterologist, is a gastroenterologist still, and, and she was running the pediatric weight center. And they needed clinicians to see patients because there was such a backlog even back in like I said 2008 2009 you know there was a backlog of patients and they couldn't get through them all 
And so they needed people and I, I volunteered myself and I said, oh, can I go, you know, see patients half day a week? So it's sort of like on the job training, to be honest. Okay. <laughs> it was like a see one, do one, teach one. All right. So type they were kind of, of uh, doing some of that already at the center mm -hmm. where you were. Yeah, we had a dietitian. Um, we didn't have a, at the time, we didn't have a psychologist. We had a dietitian and, and it was, uh, you know, the, the, the physician, a lot of the, uh, one of the physicians was an endocrinologist. Um, by training. And, and again, you know, he just had an interest in it, you know, in terms of weight management and, you know, in, in that time, I mean, we really had some metformin, we had um, dietary approaches, right. But we did the first study actually of GLP one in pediatrics uh, back in 2007 yeah. uh, there at the university of Minnesota, you know, when we started learning about the effects of GLP one on, on weight control and, and weight management, um, you know, in, in adults, obviously, is where we first um, recognized that there was, you know, this sort of benefit. But we, we there at the University of Minnesota translated that into a study of, of using um, Bieta uh, at the time, because that was the, the, the GLP-1 that we had the most access to. Yeah. Um, and we studied that in, in adolescents. Um, so we did the first study. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah. So even back in 2007, that's, that's really, <laughs> wow, that's, that was very new for that time, especially since obesity wasn't even recognized as a disease yet at that time. And so that's right. really exciting. And so, so you've kind of seen it all the way from the beginning, all the way <laughs> to where you are now. So what are some of the things that are you, that you're seeing now that gets you excited about this field? And obviously a lot of new medications and things coming through the pipeline. So what do you think the future is for obesity medicine? I definitely think the future is very bright in that, um, you know, we really do. We really are at a cusp, as you mentioned, that, you know, in 2013, the American Medical Association declared, you know, said obesity was a disease. But even then, it's still been a struggle, you know, these past 10 years or so really, you know, sort of getting it um, across to patients, across to society, right? That, that it really is more than it's going to take more than just eating better, and exercising more, you know, to be successful with this disease process, just like any other disease process. Lifestyle is a component, as we mentioned, but it, it's not the end all be all, you know, it doesn't create the, the, the most effective treatment in most circumstances. It doesn't mean you don't do it because we all should do it for the health of it, you know, not necessarily for the weight loss of it. But as we're talking about weight management, you know, we, we really have to get into these other modalities of how do we, how do we actually give ourselves as human beings a metabolic advantage towards weight loss, because right now we have a metabolic advantage towards weight gain, um, because that's the way we're engineered. And so I think, you know, we're learning more and more about that today with, with lots of different um, uh, medications that are coming down the pipeline. And I think it's, it's, the, the, it's very exciting because there's going to be even more ways of helping people understand that. And I think society is really coming around to that, right? Society is really understanding that it is a, a, a quote unquote real disease, you know, and making some progress there, but it's very slow progress, right? We really have to, we as, as clinicians in the field and as patients too, you know, need to sort of stand up and say, you know, like you said earlier, what, why would we accept a, you know, insurance companies a lot of times, you know, when we want to get a medication covered, we have to show that patients have tried lifestyle intervention, right? We have to check a box that says, well, they tried lifestyle first, right? Well, it's only effective 10% of the time. It's only effective five to 10% of the time. Like, why would we stand for such a treatment? Right. You know, if your disease is bad enough that you have a drug that's effective 40% of the time or a surgery that's effective 70% of the time, like we wouldn't make people do a, a treatment that's effective 10% of the time if it was cancer. Right. 
and and granted, people aren't going to, you know, we, you know, from our obesity, we usually don't, you know, have immediate, you know, health issues that are that are life threatening immediately, like like cancer is, right? From a life expectancy standpoint, but at the same time, you know, we shouldn't have to like try these things for long periods of time in order to sort of prove if we're successful or not, if we're a responder, right? Because we know for any treatment intervention, there are responders and there are non-responders and it's not the person's fault, you know, that they're a non-responder to their chemotherapy. Um, but unfortunately in weight management, you know, we do tend to still, we got to get past that, that stigma and bias and, and be like, this is, you know, this is a disease process and there are, there are ways of making it better there. You know, there are treatments that can, can make it better, but we need to get much better access for people so that they can actually, you know, get a hold of treatment. Yeah, exactly. And, and like you said, it's like so many other medical conditions. And if we compare it to something like type two diabetes, we know that lifestyle is an important factor in the management of type two diabetes. And yet we see that about 86% of patients who have type two diabetes are also being treated with some kind of pharmacotherapy compared to maybe one or 2% of patients with obesity that are being treated with some kind of pharmacotherapy as an adjunct to, to lifestyle changes. So yeah, there's just so many comparisons with other different chronic diseases where it's like, you know, we need to start really letting go of the weight bias and stigma that this is just a matter of willpower or, or you know, something that somebody has control over. We know that weight and appetite are highly regulated in the brain and so I'm just so grateful to everything that you do to educate people as the president of the Obesity Medicine Association. You've had such a massive impact. So to wrap it up, are there some tips that you might be able to give our listeners for those who are interested in learning more about obesity medicine? Where can they go to learn more? And also, where can they learn more about you or, or find ways to contact you or follow you? Yeah, so that's that's a fabulous um, intro to our Obesity Medicine Association, right? Which we are are so grateful for you, Carly, and all that you've done, you know, for our organization and all of our members. What all of our members have done, because we're a very much a um, a very active association, and and I think it's it is our membership that makes us what we are, right? The the coming together of everyone and and sharing ideas, and especially in a field where you know, a lot of stuff is still unknown, right? We're still in sort of a research stage of understanding a lot of the, the um, complexities of human metabolism and, and how to sort of, you know, how to, how to adjust that, right? How to hack that, how to change that, you know, to our advantage um, from a weight perspective. So the Obesity Medicine Association, again, for which I'm president of, is something that I'm very much looking forward to leading over the next um, 18 months to, uh, and that's you know one place we have a great academy where we have lots of, of recorded online uh, CME uh, quality um, talks. There's free webinars. There's our conferences that happen twice a year um, in the spring and in the fall. And I think that's a great way to just go and meet people and and go and network. You know, I learned a lot of what I learned from other people, right? And I think we we still do that even today, even when we have so much technology, right? We still learn so much from from this type of thing, from a podcast, from a, you know, from a, um, a, a meeting with somebody, right? An interaction with somebody and, and learning from our patients, right? The Obesity Action Coalition is the patient advocacy arm of everything having to do with, with patients of larger size and patients with obesity. And so again, you know, there's a, a way to educate, you know, through that channel also. And so there's a lot of good education, you know, to be had. And I think just, you know, like we, like, 
like I did back in the early 2000s, right? It's all about just getting out there and, and learning about things. We actually at the Massachusetts General Hospital have, and other places in the country have fellowships now. So for those clinicians that are in training and they're considering obesity medicine, you know, they can now do a year long fellowship to really be immersed in a, in a clinic that's, that's seeing patients, you know, with obesity day in, day out, right? That's what we do um, all day, every day. And we, we try to, um, you know, share that education, you know, with others uh, via that fellowship experience, right? So I think it is highly valuable uh, for people that, that have the, the uh, you know, interest in it and really want to advance their skill set because there really is, you know, something to be said for sort of hands-on learning, you know, that you get from just sort of rolling up your sleeves and diving in, right? And learning from the patients, right? Because our patients are really the biggest source that we have, I think, too, you know, of learning for sure. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. You're such a wealth of knowledge and thank you for everything that you do and for being the first guest on our podcast. <laughs> I'm so excited. I forgot to say, you know, for people to follow me, you know, you can certainly yeah. uh, follow me. I'm on all of the social media, uh, Dr. Angela Fitch um, on uh, Twitter and uh, Instagram and other other places. So feel free to, to, to jump on there and uh, uh, keep in touch because it is a uh, a good way to interact, right? By, by keeping in touch with, with others and getting advice from other people. Absolutely. And we'll be sure to put all of that in the show notes. So thank you so much for coming on. And I look forward to seeing you at the next OMA conference. Yeah, me too. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much for joining us on the Gaining Health Podcast. Don't forget to review and subscribe. And if you really liked it, consider supporting us on Patreon. Lastly, if you need resources and tools to help you start an obesity management program, be sure to check out gaininghealth.com. Thank you, and we'll see you next time on the Gaining Health Podcast.